Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today, and we welcome everyone uh, to God's house as we worship the Lord together. We welcome our guests especially. Uh, we're so glad that you are here and have chosen to be a part of us today and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would uh, take those and to fill those out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Just put your name and address and uh, uh, phone number and email address and check the appropriate box, uh, and we would certainly appreciate that. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, please put your email address on there and we'll get you on that list. It's a great way to keep up with uh, what's going on here at Community Baptist Church. And we have a lot going on here at Community Baptist Church. First of all, let me thank our youth and our young adults for a wonderful breakfast this morning. Uh, we appreciate all the effort that was put into that, and it was uh, it was delightful. And uh, if you missed it, folks, you missed a good one. So uh, uh, we certainly appreciate that. We have some things that are coming up I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, we have our blood drive this Wednesday, this Wednesday, and if you would like to volunteer for that or if you would like to set up an appointment uh, to donate blood, then you can please see Jika, and she'll be glad to, to sign you up for that. Okay, or if, if you have forgotten what time you're donating, you can see Jika, and she can, she can gently remind you to come and uh, give your blood. Uh, also, a couple of other things. The, the Justice Coalition of Henderson is an organization that uh, I've been involved with. It just started a few months ago. And we're going to be holding a summit on October the 24th. That's a Saturday from 830 to 1230 at the Fine Arts Center. And uh, the name of this summit is not in our town. It is a summit on race, poverty and inequality. Uh, it will be featuring Lisa Sharon Harper, who is a part of Sojourners. And if you're familiar with Sojourners, it's a wonderful organization out of Washington, D.C. that uh, deals with issues of, of justice. And, and, uh, and this is certainly going to be a wonderful summit. And, uh, and, if, and it's something that we should all be interested in. It's something that we all, should all focus uh, our lives on and be, be a part of, because that's something that Christ has called us to, to focus on, to be concerned with the poor and the, the oppressed and, and uh, justice issues. This is a good way that you can learn about that. That's on October the 24th, and I hope that uh, many of you can be there for that. I believe uh, Sybil has an announcement, and then Brittany has an announcement as well. We have uh, our Fall Fest coming up. We're going to do that on Friday, October 30th, because that's the same time they're doing the downtown um, trick-or-treating. So Lana is heading up food and servers. She is still needing about 10 people to make cookies, about two to three dozen each. She's needing about five or six servers as well. We are going to set up for the Fall Fest the Thursday night before. We're going to start about 7 o'clock pulling the stuff out of the um, decorating room and pulling it downstairs so that we can start decorating at 8 o'clock when Upward Practice is over with. So if you would like to help decorate, please come on the 29th about 7 o'clock. If you can make cookies, serve want to help clean up after the Fall Fest because that Friday night we've got to clean everything out and get it set up for basketball that next Saturday morning. So we're going to need people to help um, break down the Fall Fest to set up for um, Upward that next Saturday. So if you can help in any one of those capacities, please get in touch with me or Lana Hopgood, and we will get you plugged into where you want to help. Next Sunday... After church, we are going to do some landscaping fall cleanup. The bushes need trimming. We need some weeds pulled and that sort of thing. So we are going to try and do that next Sunday after church. Um, if you would like to help, anybody think they're going to be able to stay? Greg Gibson, please look around and see if anybody, would you raise your hand if you think you will stay and help? <laughs> okay. 
If you can, get in touch with me or Greg Gibson, and, and we'll get you plugged into landscaping next Sunday. Thanks. Good morning. On October 24th, which is apparently a busy day in town, but these two events don't overlap. They actually compare well together. Um, there are two events um, that are going to be going on in Henderson um, as part of Make a Difference Day, which is the last Saturday of every month. That's a national um, thing. And Megan Casey from the Volunteer and Information Center and I have been working together. Um, and the Volunteer and Information Center, Habitat for Humanity, and the Thelma B. Johnson Learning Center are all going to be pairing for the 2015 Make a Difference Day Sweet Dreams Project. And um, what that's going to consist of, if you'd like to paint, you're welcome to come to the Habitat House at 609 6th Street from between 10 and 3. Fifth Third Bank has um, tried to get a lot of their people together to help. They want to do a community day. Um, if you're not a painter, which I'm not, um, then Megan is going to be hosting a Build-A-Bed project over at the Thelma B. Johnson Learning Center. They've identified 10 children who either do not have a bed at all or have inadequate beds or sleeping situations at their home. And we're going to be building 10 of those beds um, that day on site, and then we'll be painting them, and then they'll be delivering them the very next day. So anybody of any skill level is invited to that. It's in the Thelma B. Johnson gym. Um, so you just kind of walk in. Um, if you can only stay for a little bit, that's fine. It can be a come-and-go kind of thing. Um, they're going to be assembling 10 beds. And they're also going to be doing 100 nighttime baskets for children in need. And that's why I kind of wanted to reach out to you guys today because the items for the bedtime baskets, um, I've put a list of them over there on the table whenever you leave. If you'd like to pick one up, this would be a great Sunday school project. They want to do 100 bags. They could use a lot more than 100. Every bag that we can get, we'll take to them. Um, but all 10 kids that get a bed, get a bag, but we wanted to be able to spread this mission as far as possible. And um, if you've ever met Megan, she likes to think big, and then she'll scale it back if she has to later. So if you're interested in doing a bag, if you're interested in helping build a bed, or you'd like to paint that day, um, the building the beds will start around 12, uh, 12 to 1, and it'll probably go to like 4 or 5. The painting's from 10 to 3. You can go see Dr. Hobbs, then you can come see us, just do a whole Make a Difference Day. Um, but if you have any questions about um, any of that, you can call the Volunteer and Information Center. Their number is 831-2273, or you can contact me or contact Habitat directly. Um, and like I said, these sheets that I'm reading off of, all this information is over there, and it's got a full list of what they would like to see in the bags. And you can just do the bags and big baggies or gift baskets or, or whatever um, you and your groups choose. So I'm hoping that some of our Sunday schools will be able to get involved in this. So if you have any questions, please see me after the service. Thank you. And if that's not enough for you, uh, we also are putting uh, box lunches together for the homeless on October the 20th. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, then please see Sybil or Jika or Christine and uh, we'll plug you into that. See, there's all kinds of ministry opportunities that that uh, we have available and that we're plugged into. And that's I think that speaks so well of our church, that we are that open and, and giving of our time and our, our efforts and our money uh, for this community. Um, so thank you so much for that. I know it's it's tiring sometimes and we we kind of wear ourselves down. But, you know, I, I, I can't help but but believe that when God sees what we're doing, uh, God has a great smile on his face. Let us sing together our song of gathering. His name is wonderful. Let us sing.
Let us pray together. Oh God, we thank you that your name is so wonderful. That you touch our lives in so many different ways. But at the same time, God, we pray that you would forgive us for being asleep when you need us. You agonize over the world's hungry while we worry over the menu. And you weep with the soul of the one who is friendless while we wonder whom to invite to dinner. God, forgive us for neglecting your children and not risking our security for their needs. We know Christ's teachings and we know the needs of the world and we know ourselves So forgive us for not transforming what we have been taught into what we do. But at the same time, oh God, I look around at the faces of this congregation and see so many who give so much of themselves. And I am so grateful, as I know that you are as well. Be with us in our efforts, oh God, to be your kingdom in this place. Be with us in our efforts to be the presence of Christ in a world of need. In your name we pray. Amen. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And all these things It is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And God is able to make all grace around to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need. We will abound in every good work.
Good morning. I'm a little hoarse this morning, so just kind of bear with me. Our scripture reading today is from St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not, and honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, what, <clears throat> sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about, and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answers again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, and have followed thee. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, our father, our mother, our wife, our children's, our lands, for my sake, and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now at this time, houses and brethren, sisters and mothers and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the world come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. So saith the Lord. Everybody hear me? Good. Hi. How you all this morning? Good. Good. You all understand the scriptures this morning? That Mrs. Reisinger read? Well, I'm going to do my best to try to explain a little bit to you, okay? I'm going to show you this. Can anybody see what that is? It's a needle. Yeah. The needle's sharp on one end, right? can stick and hurt. On the other end, you know what that's called? What is it? It's called the eye of the needle, right? Okay. Got that out of the way. How many of y'all been to the zoo? Wow. How many have seen a camel? Not seen a camel? You seen a camel? Oh my goodness, one of my favorite commercials, me and Amy's, was the most recent one. Mike, 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 Mike. It's hump day. That's a camel. Y'all seen that commercial? Yeah. Well, we all know how big a camel is, right? Pretty big animal, right? Okay. Now we'll start out like this. There's this dude, okay? He had a lot of money, he was rich. And he used to follow around and was following Jesus when Jesus was doing his 
teachings to people. And one of the things he wanted to find out was he wanted to go to Jesus and say, what do I got to do to get in heaven? Basically, want to know how much do I have to pay to get in heaven? I mean, I got all this money. Surely it's going to get me somewhere. Well, lo and behold, Jesus looked at him and said, dude, it ain't going to happen. There's no way you can buy your way into heaven. As a matter of fact, what you ought to do is go out and take all the money you have or what you are beyond being comparable with and give it to the poor. Well, naturally, like any other rich person, guy walks away disgruntled. My God, i got to give all my money away. Well, after he left disgruntled, the disciples looked at Jesus and said, Master, what's that all about? And the way Jesus explained it to him was this way. You can take a camel and pass it through that eye of the needle before you can buy your way into heaven. You may be the richest person in the world. It's not going to do you no good. So what God's telling us is whatever we have, we need to share with other people. And give it so we all can live a little more comfortable in life, okay? Because money's not going to be any good later on. Does everybody understand? Got a little better what that passage is about? Okay. Can we have a prayer? Dear God, thank you for blessings, blessing us with the things we need in life. And for helping us to remember that sharing these blessings with others is our responsibility. Amen. Thank you. Father, as we bow before you, we are thankful for your grace and your mercy, your patience, Lord. As we learn to be more Christ-like and where we fall short, we thank you for your long-suffering. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads, guides, and directs us. We thank you for the people your Spirit uh, lives in that helps manifest, leads, guides, and, and loves us. Father, we ask that you bless this tithe and offering, that it be the building of your kingdom, that souls may be saved, that people grow stronger in their faith, Lord. We thank you for the many ministries that you give us, and we thank you for the workers that you provide. Help us to be sacrificial in our time and our gifts and our talents, Lord. Forgive us again where we fall short in these things. We ask that you lead, guide, and direct and all that is said and done, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
that is and what a great song we have been created for the glory of the Lord I hope that is uh, that is true for all of us and uh, and that's 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 why we're here isn't it to give glory to God comedian uh, Joan Rivers once said something that a lot of us a lot of people I think probably could agree with she said uh, people say that money isn't the key to happiness but I always thought that if you have enough money, you can have a key made. <laughs> I always thought if you had enough money, says Rivers. So how much money is enough? That's a good question. A Hollywood film editor once said, I had this date the other night with a woman who wanted to walk along the beach. And he says, I'm wearing a $1,200 suit a $75 tie, a $150 shirt, and a pair of $200 shoes. 
It costs me $20 to clean my suit and $6 to have my shirt hand-washed. I don't even want to think about what it would cost if I should get a drop of spaghetti sauce on my tie. And this woman wants me to roll up my pants and walk along the beach. All I can think about is how much it's going to cost me if she wants me to sit down in the sand. And then he said, here's the bottom line that I have to ask myself. Can I afford to wear my own clothes? J. Paul Getty was reputed to be the richest man in the world. And he once complained to a newspaper reporter that inflation was hurting him and that a billion dollars was not what it used to be. That's right, folks, a billion with a B. And that was back when a billion dollars was a lot of money. Author and sociology professor Tony Campolo, in his book titled Everything You've Heard is Wrong, tells about a young idealistic student that he had one time by the name of Ralph. His name was Ralph. And during his undergraduate years, Ralph was committed to becoming an advocacy lawyer who would champion the rights of the oppressed and stand up against the exploitation of the poor. And Ralph was full of passion for justice and he he radiated a compassion for the underdog that inspired everyone who knew him. But by the time Ralph graduated from law school, he was deeply in debt. And so he took a job with a large corporate law firm and did as little pro bono work as he possibly could. The pay was mind-boggling, and Ralph convinced himself that he would stay with this corporate firm only as long as it took for him to pay off his student loans. And he assured his former professor that the yuppie subculture into which he was jumping would not rub off on him. He was certain that who he was had been so firmly established that the surrounding culture couldn't change him a bit. But you can imagine the rest of the story, can't you? When Compola ran into Ralph a few years later, he was a different person. His idealism was gone. He was on the verge of becoming a partner in this corporate law firm. He and his girlfriend had just moved into a super place up on the Upper East, east Side. But, but what saddened Campolo the most was that the excitement that had once sparkled in Ralph's eyes was gone. Oh, says Campolo, Ralph still went to church regularly. He found one of those churches that serves, as they say, a better class of people. I guess Ralph discovered that once you get on the treadmill of material success, enough is simply never enough. So, when is enough enough for you? A wealthy man came to Jesus to ask what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. Evidently, this man was where Many of us may be. His material needs were being met, but his spiritual needs were not. And he wasn't a bad man. He was just an empty man. And his approach to Jesus, however, was a, a bit of unbecoming flattery. He addressed Jesus as good teacher, which was a violation of Jewish etiquette. Why do you call me good, asked Jesus. No one is good except for God. He was probably trying to caution this man not to put his ultimate confidence in teachers or in any powerful people, but only to put his confidence in God, God alone. And then Jesus said, you know the commandments. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud anyone. Honor your father and your mother. And the man said to Jesus, Teacher, I've done all these things since I was a boy. Apparently this man believed that if he could just keep the Mosaic law, then he would have it made spiritually. 
So here's, the, here's his situation. He thought that money could make him happy. But it didn't. And he thought that minding all of the rules of his faith would make him happy. But it didn't. All of his life he had been taught that if he had enough money and if he was just a good enough guy, that that would be enough. But it wasn't. Mark tells us that Jesus looked at this man and he loved him. I think that kind of means, probably means he felt sorry for him. He loved him. He felt sorry for him because he saw where he was and saw what he could be and he wanted him to get there, but he couldn't. You see, Jesus knew that this man was trying to live his life as society told him he should live his life. And Jesus appreciated that, but Jesus wanted to give him something more. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. At this, said Mark, the man's face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. At least one Bible scholar says that this may be the saddest verse in the Bible. This young man was in the very presence of the Son of God Himself. And he could have made his life into something magnificent. His name would have been called blessed by hundreds of people that he might have helped. He could have written one of the Gospels perhaps. His name would be revered even today. But instead, he turned away because he couldn't let go of the good in order to grasp the best. And so he went away sad because he had great wealth. Let's think about that for just a minute. We could understand it if we read, he went away sad in spite of his great wealth, you know, there are a lot of people who are sad in spite of their great wealth. But that's not what it says, is it? It says he went away sad because of his great wealth. Is it possible to be sad because you have a lot of money? Well, apparently Jesus thought so. And he looked around at his disciples and he said, how hard it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But to emphasize his point, he said it again. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God for anybody, and especially for rich people. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter into the kingdom of God. And Mark tells us that the disciples were even more amazed. Who then can be saved, they asked. And I think that's a good question. I mean, if accumulating toys won't bring you happiness, and if keeping the rules won't buy you salvation, then what's it going to take? If we take everything that we have and give it to the poor like Jesus was telling this man to do, will that do it? Well, that depends. Is money the most important thing in your life? Is your money is it your money that's keeping you from giving your all to God? When Jesus told this man to sell everything that he had and give it to the poor, we are told that he went away sad because he had great wealth. And when it says that, Jesus was simply telling this man the truth about what came first in this man's life. And that was obviously his money. 
So the question I have for you today is this. What comes first in your life? Or to phrase it in another way, what is it that keeps you from doing something great for God? Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it playing games on the computer or watching sports on TV or conversing with your friends on Facebook or some other hobby that you might have? Could I, could I look at your, your visa statement or your, uh, your computer log or your day planner and discover what's really important to you? Where do you devote your time and your money and your dreams and your energy? Is it the accumulation of more wealth or more toys? Jesus said, where a person's treasure is, there will his or her heart be also. And Jesus knew where this young man's heart was. He was a nice guy. Kept all the commandments, which, is, which may be more than you and I can do. And Jesus looked at the man and loved him, but Jesus knew that God did not come first in his life. And so I ask again, what is it that comes first in your life? First. Paul Tillich was one of the most perceptive theologians of the 20th century. And by the way, he's buried not far from here over in New Harmony, Indiana. But Tillich once said that whatever our ultimate concern is, that is our God. Now hear that. Let me say it again. Let that that sink in just for a second. Whatever our ultimate concern is, that is our God. And among these concerns might be our personal success or our allegiance to our country or the quest for scientific truth or a host of other very important issues Or our ultimate concern may be God. But here's the thing. Everything but the latter are forms of idolatry. In other words, if your ultimate concern is anything other than God, that's idolatry. And I know, folks, that is a hard teaching. You mean God must come before my job? My family? My concern for my health? Even my allegiance to my country? Yes. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Nothing in this world can come before God. Leadership. Guru John Maxwell notes that there are only a handful of important decisions that people need to make in their lives. Does that surprise you? It shouldn't. He says that, the, that most people complicate life by getting bogged down in decision making. But his goal has always been to make it as simple as possible. And so he has boiled the big decisions of life down to 12 things. And once he's made those 12 decisions, all he has to do is to manage how he'll follow through on them each day. He says if you make, uh, if you make decisions in, in those key areas once and for all, then, then manage those decisions daily and you can create the kind of tomorrow that you want. And of course, of course the, the most important decision that we have to make is this. What or who will you worship? Once you decide to worship God, revealed to us in Jesus Christ, then all of the other important decisions in life can be made easily. But on the other hand, if you choose instead to to worship an idol, whether it's wealth or comfort or work or any other temporal god, then life becomes much more complicated and the end result will only be sadness. That is not the message of our culture today, folks. The message of our culture is just the opposite. But that's the message that Christ gives to us. 
Pastor Ray Stedman puts it like this. He said, I've been privileged to travel extensively and to speak oftentimes to rather wealthy audiences. He said, I was in Hollywood, Florida uh, one time on the so-called Gold Coast. And every morning I taught the scriptures to a group of people of about 500. And I was told that these people represented well over a billion dollars in accumulated assets. He said, I had the opportunity to talk with many of them individually, and I found that most of them, by their own testimony, though they had all the money to buy anything they wanted, they had arrived at a place where they were suffering from what someone had called destination sickness. It is the malady of having everything that you want, but not wanting anything you have. And being sick and empty, and lonely, and miserable. You know, I kind of think that this wealthy young man that, who encountered Jesus probably suffered from destination sickness. You see, he had arrived. He was there. He thought he had it made, but the truth was that he was a slave to his wealth. Jesus was offering him a lifeline, but he couldn't see it. All he could see was what he would be giving up. So let me ask you this. Are you ready to put God first in your life? Are you tired of the emptiness of living life your way, not God's way? Have you discovered that there's not enough money and not enough work and not enough play and not enough narcotics or alcohol to ease the pain of an empty and unfulfilled heart? Sir William Beach Thomas once said that to achieve happiness by a succession of pleasures is like trying to keep up a light all night long by striking successive matches. My friends, happiness does not come from pleasure, but from purpose. The happiest people that I know are the people who have given their lives completely and unreservedly to God. Now, the Bible tells us that the disciples were amazed at Jesus' words. They were astounded about his, uh, uh, over His words over about how difficult it was for wealthy people to enter into the kingdom of God. And maybe that's where you are right now. Perhaps you're asking the same question that these disciples ask after hearing Jesus' teaching here. Who then can be saved? Indeed, can I be saved? And so Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, this is a human impossibility. But nothing is impossible with God. My friends, please do not misunderstand me here because Jesus is not saying that it's impossible for people with money to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, he said that all things are possible with God. But listen to this. The people who are in danger are those who put their wealth before God. The people are in danger are those who enjoy their wealth while turning a blind eye to the needs of the poor. The people in danger are those who have no greater purpose in life than the accumulation of more and more and more, which makes that very that question very, very important. When is enough? Enough. Over the past 15 years, a businessman in New Jersey has anonymously given away more than $600 million to universities and medical centers and a host of other charitable organizations. And recently, a a legal complication has forced him to reveal his identity. And he explained his generosity like this. He said, nobody can wear two pairs of shoes at the same time. 
I simply decided that I had enough money. (laughs) Folks, that's a rare thing for a person of wealth to say. I just decided I have enough money. A friend of, of the donor described him as a man who doesn't own a house. He doesn't own a car. When he flies somewhere, he flies economy class. He wears a $15 watch. But he didn't want his money to crush him. Could that happen to any of us? That your craving for material success could crush you? Or your family? Or your health? Or your relationship with God? The wealthy young man in our scripture turned sadly away from Jesus because he had great wealth. Is there something taking you away from Jesus today? What is your ultimate concern? Is it the Lord of life? Or is it something else? I kind of think it's time to settle that question once and for all. What do you put first in your life? Amen. Let's sing together our closing hymns, number 502. Open my eyes that I may see. You know, I kind of wish this hymn had been written during the time of Jesus because I think maybe this would be a hymn that would be appropriate for this rich young ruler because I don't think his eyes were opened. He went away sad because he couldn't see the blessings of a purposeful life that Christ could give to him. And I hope that that will not be the case for you or me or any of us. I hope that this truly is the prayer of our hearts today, that God would open our eyes so that we could clearly see the will of God for us. And that we would put away anything that would stand between us and our relationship with God. Let that be the prayer of your life today as we sing this prayer. Open my eyes, God that I may see.
Oh God, you have come close to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. You have shown us your love, your grace, and your compassion. As we go from here, give us your patience when people are indifferent. Give us your compassion when people are in need. And give us your love to reflect your grace and forgiveness wherever we are and whatever we may encounter. Amen.